Welcome to the We Talk Careers podcast brought to you by Women in ETFs. This is Christine Delano, and I'm thrilled you've joined me. If you're pursuing excellence in your own career or intrigued by the hustle required for a career on Wall Street, this podcast is for you. We've made all this advice accessible. Grab your own Thrive Guide with a workbook on leadership skills at christinedelano.com. So put aside that massive to-do list and let's get inspired. On this episode, we are talking about the importance of building expertise. If you want to get ahead to stand out, it's not enough to simply follow the crowd. Table stakes are showing up and working hard. Your differentiator is the expertise you cultivate and share. I'm joined by Kim Tilley. She is a director and portfolio manager on the Dynamic Portfolio Solutions Platform and oversees Lazard's ETF investment strategies and due diligence. Prior to joining Lazard in 2002, Kim worked on the Institutional Equity Sales and Trading Desk at Wachovia Securities. She has a BS in finance and a minor in economics from Miami University and holds a Certified Investment Management Analyst designation. Kim is the former co-chair of the Lazard's Women Leaderships Network and was a founding member of the Lazard Global Inclusion Task Force. Kim lives in Brooklyn, New York with her husband, who is a writer, whoop, whoop, and two children, Caroline and Charlie. Welcome, Kim, to We Talk Careers podcast. Thank you, Christine. It's super exciting to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, so happy to have you here. And your first guest post our Mother's Day celebration this year. I was pretty excited to be back with my family. I'd been away for a couple of weeks in Belize doing some um, work out on the reef, which was really great. Learned how to hunt lionfish, which I hadn't realized were such a terror to the reefs in the Atlantic. But I was able to come home and have just sort of a relaxing day on the shores of um, Southern Maine, which probably is quite different than what you're able to do in New York City. So what were you up to? Well, first, I would love to go to Belize. That sounds amazing. Um, congratulations getting there and doing that trip. Mother's Day in Brooklyn. Well, the weather was beautiful, and we kind of relaxed as a family in the evening and the afternoon. Uh, my daughter and I did some thrifting in Brooklyn. So, you know, shopping in the city, a bit different than relaxing in Maine. But yeah, we had a, we had a nice time. Oh, thrifting in Brooklyn. I, you know, <laughs> and it's funny. So I have two older daughters that are college age and then one 16 year old son and he loves to thrift. It is, it's so funny. Like he, and he finds the most amazing things. So coming to Brooklyn and thrifting would probably be like, you know, on his bucket list. So that yeah. sounds like a really fun thing to do with your daughter. It was great. Yeah. That's <laughs> wonderful. Uh, so I am excited to have you on the show today, Kim. I think we have talked a lot on this podcast about sort of the importance of showing up, the importance of working hard, the importance of sort of building a brand and all of that. And we often touch on the topic that you're going to be speaking about today, which is building an expertise, which is sort of this concept of it's beyond just doing a great job and working hard every day, but starting to be seen as a resident expert in an area that you're growing also in, in your understanding of. So maybe tell us a story. How is it that you sort of came into your own expertise and tell us what it was like and, and when you started to be recognized for it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I actually started early in my career at Lazard on the internal sales desk. And I would say at about year two, I became really restless. You know, sales was not my passion. So I started looking for other things to do. I then briefly managed the internal sales desk while I kind of tried to figure things out. And shortly after that began, I was actually asked to help build or start up an open architecture asset allocation platform within the firm. And, you know, being asked to help build something was an honor. And honestly, it was exactly what I needed at that time. I was really excited for a change and for a challenge. And we created this platform through which we built asset allocation models. And we allocated to Lazard strategies. We allocated to some outside managers. And last but not least, we allocated to ETFs. And over time, my focus really became ETFs. And that platform actually kind of morphed into an ETF model business. And I became the person that was really focused on ETFs. And because this was a smaller business within the firm, kind of very autonomous, I was really the only ETF person at the firm. And I actually really liked this. And, you know, while at times it was weird kind of having no one else to turn to and ask ETF related questions of within the organization, there was also some kind of satisfaction in it, you know. And at this point, ETFs were not nearly as big a thing as they are now. There were certainly no active ETFs, or at least none that were really ever, ever talked about. So when the industry began evolving over the next several years, my expertise in ETFs became much more valuable to the firm. And so, you know, I would always keep track of what was going on. This firm launched that, or fees are getting cut here again you know, so-and-so asset class kind of hit a billion. But I remember specifically, you know, you asked for a story. I remember in 2016, I think it was around April, and my list of kind of, you know, industry developments kind of hit a new threshold. It, it kind of blew up, right? So this was when, you know, JP Morgan had taken a stake in Global X. Ivy Funds had filed to utilize Next Shares. Goldman had recently entered the ETF space. John Hancock and DFA were partnering up. And then First Trust, State Street were launching fully transparent active ETFs. So I kind of said to myself, does anyone realize that all of this is going on? Anyone within Lazard? You know, I had essentially become this kind of domain expert with all this information, but does anyone at Lazard know or care? So I decided to start sharing information which I think is so, so key. And I think hopefully we'll get into that a bit later. But I realized I've got to share this knowledge or else what in the world is the point of having it, right? So I wrote up this post on this internal investment blog that we have. It's called Dragonfly. Um, and I wrote this up on recent developments in the ETF space. And then I actually crafted an email with really the same content to the CEO of our asset management business. And to be clear, at this point in my time, Christine, it, it's safe to say I was not having regular meetings with our CEO, right? But he responded right away and he said, let's chat. So we set up time to meet. And when I first walked into that office, I'm not going to lie, I was a little nervous. Although honestly, the most stressful thing was actually deciding where to sit, right? Because it was this big, beautiful office, you know, a couch, the big sitting chairs around the coffee table, 
um, and then the chair is in front of his desk. But once I sorted that out, I had actually gotten some ad advice in advance on that. Once I sorted that out, you know, we talked about the ETF industry, all the relevant developments, and my thoughts on active ETFs. And he had a lot of questions. And from that point forward, I was the ETF expert. But importantly, that was not just kind of a designation in my mind anymore, but it was to the CEO, to senior management, and to the firm. And, you know, the CEO and I kept that dialogue going pretty regularly for, for quite a number of years. And did you feel like you had a confidence with becoming the resident ETF expert that perhaps you weren't responsible for answering every one of his questions, but you could be relied upon to find the answer? I mean, were you able to discern that difference for yourself? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say, you know, early on in my career, this type of, of an issue, which I would really define as kind of imposter syndrome, it was definitely a hurdle, right? And I think that's really natural. It, it's really hard to kind of enter the workforce as a young professional, sit across the table from people who've been in the job for years and really feel adequate. But the fact is no one expects you to know everything at that point. Actually, there's, there's no point in which you're expected to know everything and everyone needs time. And in my opinion, you know, confidence really only comes with experience. Honestly, I think building an expertise, the whole kind of topic that we're here about is actually the ultimate medicine really for imposter syndrome, right? Because I may be in a meeting with tons of super smart people, but I remind myself that while they may know more than me on certain subjects, when it comes to ETFs, I will probably run circles around them, right? You have to kind of know what you know and know what you don't know. And, and I know ETFs and other people know how to, you know, structure crazy option strategies. And I don't know that world, but I won't pretend to, you know, you just have to kind of own that. But I will say, you know, insecurities for me can definitely kind of sneak up when I'm among other ETF experts. But again, it's just kind of self-awareness in terms of who you're in the room with, what kind of skills you have and what kind of skills they have. And one more thing on that, you know, I, I do feel like so many problems or challenges or insecurities really can be solved with a good dose of kind of self-awareness, right? I, I would say never be afraid to ask kind of a trusted colleague for a gut check. And that's a hat tip to my good friend, Courtney Rougeau, um, on our marketing team here, who's always asking for gut checks, which I absolutely love. You know, we need to really lean on the people that we trust. Absolutely. And I, I wanted to pause on no one expects you to know everything. And I think that's a just a big learning for folks coming up and building an expertise or pretty much anywhere in your career is that to me, it's a bit of a red flag when someone actually does have a ready answer for anything you can ask them, right? It's because we can't know it. And there are experts that can always dive deeper into a, even a portion of the thing that we are experts or consider ourselves expert in. So just that idea that you're kind of always flexing this muscle of these are the things that I know that I want to share with you. At the same time, you're always learning by the people that are in the room on, on their expertise is such a valuable balance. And I would say that, you know, I remember a number of times 
in conversations, especially when we were out on next shares talking to companies like Lazard on what we were doing, because I absolutely remember um, the timing of uh, 2016 was this idea of people that were willing to ask the questions, like people who were willing to sort of dive deeper and say, I may be an expert in ETFs, but I'm not an expert in active, semi-transparent or non-transparent ETFs. And so that piece of sort of building your expertise and keeping that gut check of your own imposter syndrome, I love how you put it. So as we talk about building expertise, can you kind of help define it or break it down for us? What does it actually mean to you to, to be building your expertise? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's really important for everyone out there to build an expertise, right? Something that you can own that makes you unique, that makes you really the go-to person on something. You know, I mentor a lot of people and this is one of the things I always suggest or almost insist on, right? Find something that interests you. Go out there and learn absolutely everything there is to know about it. And then critically, as I mentioned before, you know, share that knowledge. Make sure people know that you're a valuable asset on whatever your kind of subject matter is. You know, a really awesome byproduct of becoming an ETF expert for me has been people. And Christine, I, you know, I'm sure you'll you'll know this and you'll know the community I'm I'm referring to, but building an expertise is about doing the work, the research, always staying current on who is launching what, what are the regulatory changes taking place, what are the big trends, but you can't do all of that in a vacuum, right? Getting the kind of max level of expertise is so much about people, right? I remember back in, I want to say 2018, I won't name the fund, but there was some craziness with a huge rebalance in one of the really big factor ETFs. And it was impacting on that day of the rebalance, a handful of stocks and our traders here and our PMs here, they were kind of all a Twitter about it, right? So I dug into the weeds on my Bloomberg screens. But in the end, I figured out the root of the problem because I picked up the phone, right? And I called Kale at BlackRock and I called Alex Von Oblitz at Goldman, who put me in touch with Steve Sachs at Goldman. You know, you have to know the people. And I have to say, as I mentioned, the ETF community, it's such an amazing community of people. It's a really unique kind of microcosm within finance. And the nature of my ETF network has really evolved over the years with the evolution of ETFs, right? So I started purely as an ETF buyer, managing ETF models. So I was the client of all of these ETF issuers, and I still am. But many ETF firms also eventually became competitors as they started offering models of their own funds. But it's such an amazing community that it never quite feels like you're competing with these people. And now with active ETFs, you know, as an ETF investor, in some cases, I may be the client of Lazard's traditional asset manager competitors. You know, it, it's funny. I have conversations with a lot of these people, just knowledge sharing. T. Rowe Price is clearly a competitor, no question. But I've had several conversations, you know, with Tim Coyne on how they approached launching active ETFs. It's one of these great industries where the kind of rising tide lifts all boats mentality really applies. It's so healthy 
and it's so refreshing. But the point is people, right? I really believe you can't become an expert without people. Well said. And taking us back to that 2018 event, I think what also sets you apart and others that are sort of building this expertise is finding the connections between the headlines, right? So an article may mention what's going on, but you have to have had the knowledge to understand what the impacts might be for what's going on at Lazard and what's going on for sort of clients who serve and you know, the people in your, in your world. Right. And I remember back to Matt Whitcoast being one of those guys that impressed me, not only with like, obviously sales strategy and, you know, the ability to, to really run distribution, but his ability to see connections through events that looked tangentially, you know, irrelevant. <laughs> um, and so I feel like if someone is saying to themselves, Am I building an expertise? You know, do I have the book knowledge or do I actually have something valuable to others? And I would say, how often do you see connections with headlines and news articles before others? And I think that to me is the gut check of being able to to build an expertise. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think that makes absolute sense, right? You have to build those connections because there's there are plenty of people that want to be experts, but you know, they're just reading the news and relaying it, but you need to be able to kind of understand what's behind the headlines. I I completely agree with you on that one. And one of the things you said as well, and I sort of jotted this down, go out there and learn absolutely everything there is to know about it. But let's break that down for our listeners. I get a lot of feedback on the show. And one of them is people love it when we give quite a bit of practical advice, because it seems sort of obvious to maybe the person who's who's on the show, the guest as to how they went about it. But for listeners who are really looking to sort of take their careers to that next level or even mentor those that are, that practical advice is, I think, priceless. So tell us a little bit about how you practically go about becoming an expert and then being seen as that within your ecosystem. Sure. So, you know, as you mentioned, I I think in order to really advance your career, you need to be able to separate yourself from everyone else, right? No matter what industry you're in, that applies in some way. For me, that was specializing in something that would be relevant to the future of the asset management industry, right? So there are two critical pieces at the start. First, it has to be something that's relevant to your job, or more importantly, actually, the job that you want in the future. And secondly, it's got to be something that you're generally interested in, right? If you can find the thing that checks those two boxes, the rest should be pretty easy, right? I mean, if it's something that you're really interested in, the research comes naturally. You're kind of going down that rabbit hole because you want to. So you've identified what it is you want to be an expert in. Now you have to learn everything there is to know about it. That's, you know, reading, regulation, um, staying on top of news and trends, the basic landscape, right? And lastly, and critically, you know, I keep harping on this community, but you have to immerse yourself in the community. And this, you know, can be intimidating at first, but in the end, it really is the most rewarding part. You know, I think you have to learn everything there is to know, and then you have to ask questions ask questions of the other experts. And then you kind of get immersed in that community and 
you know, if you've kind of done all the right things and it's relevant, you can eventually become that expert. So I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. Is there someone that you admire that's done this well that you look out and say, wow, they not only have built the expertise, but others know it and they're helping to foster others in building their own expertise? Who, who would you might give a shout out to? That is a great question. And it's come to me pretty easily in the moment. So my good friend, Nargis Halal, who is actually our chief compliance officer here at Lazard, not at all in the ETF industry. She's, you know, in compliance at an asset management firm, but man, she's an absolute rock star and she's a complete expert. Like she's, you know, if you give me, gave me five seconds, she comes to mind right away. So always perfecting her craft on top of every regulation, kind of new and old. She's the definition of an expert. She's also an amazing leader and a team player. And she actually talks about the expert concept in a great way. You know, we were actually just talking about this together a few weeks ago. It's funny that you bring it up. And she refers to it as basically always be preparing for your Super Bowl, right? In any expertise that any of us build, inevitably, one day will come where your expertise is really called upon. And that's your Super Bowl. Unlike the, the actual Super Bowl, we don't have quite as much transparency into when that time will come, right? For me, that was probably like 2019 when the ETF rule came into play and active ETFs were on the table kind of in a big way. All of a sudden, everyone cares about them. Everybody's asking about them. Um, and I was kind of ready for that because I had been building that knowledge and that network um, and was ready for that Super Bowl. But Nargis is a great example of that. And I just love the way that she kind of puts it into the concept of this Super Bowl. You know, we only wish we all had the date in advance of our all, of our personal Super Bowl. But yeah, she's she's the answer there. Well, and I, I, I really love that because always be preparing for your Super Bowl because there's a couple of nuances to that too, right? Like Super Bowl, you're thinking, okay, unique event, you know, have to be, I mean, the preparation that goes into to anyone associated with a game like that, and even just the spotlight of, of what's there, but also it, it does happen every year. So there, there could be even a cadence to your Super Bowls, you know, that it's not just this one shot you have in history to get it right. There is this opportunity that you can create by, elevating your knowledge and becoming part of this community, as you say, um, so that you can maybe even participate in other people's Super Bowls. So thank you for that. That is fantastic. I am shocked at how much time has passed um, since we've been talking. One question before we get to the last one that everyone knows what it is, but maybe just speak to us a bit about something you wish you'd known when you were earlier on in your career? I mean, you've been at this for quite some time. I think it's impressive how long you've been at Lazard and then having a, you know, a career before that as well. Tell us what you'd wish you'd known when you'd first started out. Yeah, absolutely, Christine. And I, I think I've alluded to it a little bit, but it's really, I would say, don't build your expertise in a vacuum, right? And there are two pieces to that. First, to max out your expertise, you need to be talking to as many people as possible, right? And that can be intimidating, I think, when you're first starting out, simply because of this ridiculous imposter syndrome thing we talked about. But most experts absolutely love talking about their craft, right? So, so don't be afraid to ask questions. But you do have to do the hard work first 
have that baseline of knowledge before you start going to those experts. But secondly, and probably more importantly, as it relates to kind of don't do it in a vacuum, you have to share the knowledge base that you build and, and share it really broadly. You know, sometimes we feel that if we share all the hard work we've done, someone else will steal it or take the credit. But if no one knows you have it, it really doesn't matter, right? It's like it doesn't exist. So you becoming an expert that's only known by you is a wasted asset, you know? So become an expert, share information, make sure it's known. You'll, you know, people will respect you and people will know to come to you when it's Super Bowl time, right? But if that Super Bowl happens and no one knows you're an expert, you've really missed an opportunity. Oh, thank you for that. And thank you for this conversation. I really do hope that folks have paid attention to this and really thought critically about where their expertise lies and making sure that it is actually relevant to the job that you want. And I I know you mentioned it earlier, but I think it's, you know, it's worth kind of um, putting a fine point on that. So as our regular listeners know, I love talking about books. I myself am an aspiring author and have been working on a couple of books set right in what Kim and I have been talking about today. And I don't usually talk about this, but both of them just semi-finaled in a national contest, which was such great news for me, but also has really kicked me into this whole querying agent thing and having folks um, reach out to me to like share pieces of my work. And it is a lot of imposter syndrome. It's a lot of this idea of I'm building an expertise, but I'm am I really ready to share it? And without a community of writers and others that know me and know my work, it would be impossible to share. So I just think, although a lot of our conversation has really surrounded sort of the ETF industry, boy, did I take a lot from what we talked about today for something completely unrelated, which is writing. And I'm hoping that others that listen to this that may not be in the same space of ETFs also take something from it. So based on you know, our shared love of reading, tell us a book or novel that you would recommend to our listeners. First of all, congrats on being nominated for awards. That's that's very exciting. Book recommendation, that's an easy one for me right now. It's It hasn't been an easy question for me to answer before, but um, I recently read this book that is phenomenal. It is called Invisible Child by Andrea Elliott. I don't know if you've heard of it, but anyone who is listening to this who already knows me is like, oh my gosh, does she read any other books? Because this is the only book I recommend now. I recommend it any chance I can get. Um, I actually really believe it should be required reading for humanity, <laughs> but especially those living in New York City or, or any major city. It is a, um, a journalistic account of a family's really generational struggle with poverty in New York City. It is heartbreaking. It's eye-opening. You know, I think of myself as a good person. I'm generally empathetic, but this book has really changed me in terms of kind of stopping to think about what someone might be going through instead of making assumptions. It's a it's a really powerful book. It is certainly not a quick read, but it is absolutely worth anyone's time. Thank you for that. And I love that you mentioned empathy because I think books like this one helps us to 
expand our reaches of empathy. You know, sometimes it's hard to be empathetic when you actually have no way of relating to someone else's challenges or stories. And so by knowing more, I think we, as humanity, can grow in our empathy. So fantastic. We'll be adding a link to the show notes. So please, folks, don't don't miss out this one. Um, and Kim, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciated the conversation we've had. Oh, you're so welcome. I, I really appreciate it too. I'm, I'm just really glad to be here. Thank you, Christine. And thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. I hope this is not just information, but you let it be transformational in how you think about your career. I'm rooting for you. To find out more about diversity, opportunity, and events in the exchange-traded fund industry, please visit womeninetfs.com. And while it lasts, be sure to grab your Thrive Guide on becoming the leader you want to be. You can download it at, with a K, christinedelano.com. If you haven't subscribed to We Talk Careers podcast, please make sure you do so. And if there's a topic you'd like us to tackle, let us know. All links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening.